Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Chris Willis, and I'm back with another episode. Uh, I'm joined by my good friend Stephen Talbert. Uh, Stephen, how you doing tonight? What's up, Chris? Yeah, it's uh, you know we had that rough weekend in, in New York, and and then we kind of bounced back this week with the the Red Sox. So obviously, a lot of transactional stuff to get to tonight. We've had some pretty big moves since we last talked, so should be an interesting show. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Mets series, I don't think it could have went. Well, I guess it could have been worse. They could have lost all five games. But uh, uh, obviously not an ideal situation. I'm sure Brad and everybody will go in-depth on it. But, you know, it was good to see the Braves bounce back from that and um, look better in that Boston series. You know, a couple off days this week, too. And I think that that might help things. Uh, And then wrap it up in Miami this weekend. And then another, probably, uh, you know, in my opinion, a huge series because if uh if the Mets win take three or four you know in in Atlanta then this rate division race is pretty is absolutely over more than likely and then you know the Braves have a chance to get back in it uh, obviously so it's going to be a big week ahead yep that's the key is you know the Braves play the Marlins for four games here while the I think the Mets and the Phillies play each other this weekend so you know if the Braves take care of business this week this weekend against Miami, then, you know, either the Mets or the Phillies are going to lose every night. And so that's either helping the division race or helping the wild card race. So it's a big weekend for the Braves to play well. You know, Miami's been really, really struggling lately. They've been probably in a, a bit of a tailspin is probably the way to say it. You know, the Braves, the Braves have a chance to kind of step on their throats and take advantage of a team not playing very well while the Mets and the Phillies play each other. And then obviously, like you said, they've got the big series next week against the Mets. And yeah, I mean, it's pretty much with the division race, it's pretty much the Braves have to take three of four or maybe even sweep them, honestly, at this point. You know, if even if they go 2-2, that's probably not good enough because that just means that everything stays the same and the Braves would still be a pretty good ways out. So, you know, the Braves have dug themselves a pretty big hole with how poorly they played up in New York, and they're going to have to really take advantage of these bad teams that they have on the schedule, and then they got to start playing better against the Mets head-to-head. I mean, that's obvious. They're they're I think they're 4-12 and against the Mets this year, which is just absurdly bad for a team as good as the Braves. A lot of it's been the pitching. 
the pitching really hasn't shown up against the Mets. And that's really, I mean, to beat the Mets, you, your pitching has to beat their offense because their pitching is legitimately great. And if you want a chance to be in those games, you know, your pitching has to win against their offense. And so it'll be a big week. It's a, it'll be a big weekend first. The Braves need to take care of business against Miami this weekend with the Mets and the Phillies playing each other. Yeah, it's going to be a uh, you know huge weekend, and then uh, obviously next week as well. I'm sure Brad and um, the guys will be uh, previewing that Met series uh, over the weekend. So, but we've had some interesting things happen to as well. Orlando Arcia went down with an injury um, in Boston Tuesday night. Uh, Braves made a pretty uh, surprising move, I thought, uh, calling up Vaughn Grissom from Double A Mississippi's the second uh, Braves prospect to skip Gwinnett uh, and Triple uh, A altogether, uh, joining Michael Harris. I think Grissom's a little bit different. He's put up huge numbers, uh, but I don't think he's quite the um, prospect that Harris was. But, man, what a debut. You know, a, a single in his first major league home run at Fenway Park. You can't you can't ask uh, for much better than that. I mean, um, you know, were, were you surprised that they called up uh, a Grissom? I know I got a bunch of questions that day if, wondering if, you know, he might be in the – in the mix and I just because of what happened with Michael Harris I didn't completely dismiss it um but I I was surprised I mean I I said you know if it happens I'm gonna be surprised and and I was and uh you know but I think I think I'm happy with it I mean you know they could have went the um retread route they had several um you know options at Gwinnett that had major league experience uh, you know, but they went with the exciting one. And I think Grissom's probably better, the best option they probably had at the time. Uh, but were you surprised that they kind of went, went with him and uh, yeah, over, you know, somebody maybe that had a little major league experience at Gwinnett? Um, I wasn't. I tweeted right after RC got hurt. I remember tweeting that the first thing you do is you go look and see what Von Grissom has been doing in AA. And, you know, I don't follow the prospects the way a bunch of our team does, but um, you know, there's some, there's certain markers that you look for in a, in a profile when you're looking at minor league stats. And one of the things, maybe the most important thing you look at is strikeout rate, right? That's kind of the, the telltale sign of a player who's either being dominated at a certain level or is really holding his own at a certain level. And, and when I looked at Grissom's strikeout rate was only 14% in double A as a 21 year old, you know, that's, that told me that there was at least a decent chance that he was going to get called up because, you know, if you're running a 25, 30% strikeout rate, then you get called up to the majors. You're, you're going to get eaten alive. You can't, you can't, you can't play in the majors. If you're striking out that much in the minors, that's kind of the drew waters conundrum, right? I mean, drew waters spent forever in triple a. And even when the Braves had some serious outfield issues over the last couple of years, he never once got a call. And the reason he never once got a call is because he was striking out 30% of the time at AAA. And everyone knows if you strike out that much at AAA, you're never going to survive in the majors. And so, you know, when Grissom, with Grissom, the way he kind of controls the strike zone, we saw, it, we saw it last night in his debut. He would get behind 0-2 or 1-2 and then fight back and at least put the ball in play. He doesn't get dominated in the strike zone the way a lot of 21-year-olds do. And so I wasn't shocked. I was surprised. I mean, anytime a guy gets caught up when he's only got a handful of games above a ball in his career, it's a little bit of a surprise. But, you know, I think he was the most talented guy. And that's really where Alex is right now. I mean, they're trying to win a World Series and, you know, they don't care about service time. They don't care about, you know, uh, minor league options. They care about 
putting the most talented team on the field every night. And, you know, without Ozzy, without Arcia, the most talented guy in the minors to fill that position was Vaughn Grissom. And so that's who they went with. And, you know, Braves fans should really appreciate the fact that this team does that, that, you know, they don't really care about a, a, a player's minor league uh, service or major league service because a lot of teams do care. And the Braves aren't one of them. And they called up Michael Harris when they needed a center fielder. And they called up Von Grissom when they needed a, a middle infielder. So I think it was the right move. I think he's the most talented guy. And, you know, I don't really know. I don't even think it's close. Honestly, I don't. Any of those guys they could have called up out of AAA would have been, you know, kind of those 4A utility bench players that every team has and no team really wants to see that much of. The fact that Ozzy is still four or five weeks out from being back. You know, I don't think Alex had any interest in one of those guys playing every day. And so he just went with talent. He went with the most talented guy. And that's that's to be commended because a lot of teams don't do that. Yeah, you're you're right. And, uh, you know, talking to uh, Garrett Spain in our, our uh, Slack room, you know, it sounds like you know, Grissom's a hitter. I mean, that's that's the best way he's been described to me. The guy's going to hit. He, You know, he's got good contact skills, as you pointed out. I think he's growing into uh, his power, but I think, you know, his carrying tool is, is, is his ability to hit the, hit the baseball. And we saw some of that in his debut last night. I think there's some long-term questions about his defense. I think that's the part of his game that he's still developing. Uh, but now, you know, he – not that he didn't work on his defense in the minors, but he gets to work with Ron Washington now, you know, who is uh, you know, one of the best around. So, uh, you know, hopefully that's going to – that'll that'll jumpstart that. Um, you know, he, I think – I mean, it's no doubt in my mind he's going to play every day until Ozzy Albies is back. So, you know, I, I think it's a good – it's a good um, – it's a, it was a good move. I think it was the logical, the best move they could have made. Um, you know, you could probably make a case or for just putting a filler in there. But I mean, as you said, you know, this is, it's, it's August, uh, you know, we're coming down the stretch here. Um, they didn't have, they didn't really have room, you know, to go with Adrianza every, every single day. And Grissom, as you pointed out, you know, was handling double A. And I think he showed he's, you know, he's, he was deserving of a shot. Now, whether he sticks around, through the remainder of the season uh, will remain to be seen. You know, I think uh, the the biggest question is, is what happens when um, Albies is ready to come back? Uh, we haven't had any more updates there. You know, I don't think the clock really starts ticking until we hear he's going out on a rehab assignment. But I'm intrigued with Grissom. I mean, we're so far late in the season. You know, if he hits the ball, if he, you know, if he can keep his head above water, you know, I could see him sticking on the bench and, you know, and maybe, um, you know, maybe Adrian's a spot's in danger more. So, you know, I mean, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the DH situation um, here in, here shortly. But, um, you know, I mean, if he's hitting, you know, I think you it, it does well to keep his bat on the roster. Um, so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he plays between now and when Ozzy does come back. Uh, but what do you think? Do you think, um, I mean, I saw some speculation, maybe they send him down, work him at a different position, maybe the outfield. You know, he's a shortstop by trade, uh, but he's about six foot three. So there's been some, there's been some talk about, you know, his future might be in the corner outfield or, or even at third base. Obviously that's not, that's going to be a tough fit with uh, Atlanta, the way they're um, assembled currently with Austin Riley at, uh, at third, but you know, he could fit in the outfield if he hits and, uh, you know, uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Dansby Swanson at short, uh, long term. But, you know, for this season, do you think, um, do you think he could, he could hit his way and, and stay on the roster, uh, from now and even into the postseason? 
Yeah, I do. I mean, one thing that helps them out is that obviously in September the rosters expand and it goes from 26 to 28 and you can only have 14 pitchers. So you need 14 position players. So that's going to help them. Even if Ozzy comes back, they could keep both and Adrianza all on the roster together if they wanted to. Now, a lot of times they go with a third catcher, so that could hurt his case. But rosters expanding, you know, assuming Ozzy gets back around September, um, which we still is not a guarantee, by the way. We don't know that. Like you said, it's you really can't know anything until he actually goes out on rehab assignments and starts playing games um, in terms of a timetable. But absolutely, if he holds his own, you know, if he hits, if he shows that he's ready to be a major leaguer, then, yeah, I don't think they're going to – unless they just desperately want a third catcher for September, which they might. You know, you never know with Snit. But unless they just desperately want a third catcher, I don't really see another guy that would be – reasonable for that last bench spot when rosters expand so i think he could stay he's got to hit he's got to show that he belongs you know if he struggles over the next month while he's playing for ozzy then obviously they'll send him back and and nobody's really going to complain about that but if he hits then yeah i think he stays and you know it's also important to note that you know the braves don't have a shortstop for 2023 yet right dansby's a free agent and i do wonder if part of the calculus of calling him up was at least seeing how how viable it would be for Grissom to be the shortstop in 2023 if they wanted to spend their money elsewhere, you know, in the offseason. You know, the rumor has been that the Braves are going to go after DeGrom pretty hard once he opts out of his deal. And there's also been rumors that DeGrom is very interested in playing for Atlanta. And if, if Anthopoulos decides to spend his money elsewhere, you know, already having major league sample size of what Grissom can do could help a lot in making that decision. Now, you never know because, you know, again, the concern with Grissom is defense. And, you know, Austin Riley has struggled on defense this year. And, you know, I don't know if you would want to put Grissom and Riley together on the left side of the infield. That that could be bad. But I do think they want to see what Grissom is about. And like you said, his carrying tool is his bat. He makes great contact. He's a line drive hitter. He's going to grow into some power. He's got a huge frame. He's only 21 and he's already 6'3", like 210, 220. I mean, he's a big big kid um, which is why some people don't really see him as a shortstop long term but I do think the Braves will keep him if he shows he can stay if he's ready and I do think the Braves are interested in seeing what he how good he is before they have to make a call on shortstop in 2023 and before we get too far down the road I do want to say this we really need to appreciate what Orlando Arcia did for this team for the first four months of the season yeah, he wasn't great when Ozzy went down and he had to play every day. He got exposed a little bit, but, you know, he put up a 102 WRC plus this season. And if you told me before the season that Orlando Garcia was going to be an above average hitter, I would have laughed, quite honestly, because he's never once shown that he's an above average hitter. And he had a lot of big hits. He had a lot of clutch hits. You know, the last his last hit, you know, he knocked in that run in extra innings before he pulled his hamstring coming around first. So he was really, really a big addition for the Braves this season. I don't know if he's going to play again um, this year. That looked like a pretty bad injury, but if he doesn't, then tip of the cap to Orlando Garcia because that he put up a strong season for the Braves when Ozzy was out. Um, he wasn't great, but you know that's how, that happens to bench players. They get exposed a little bit playing every day, but he had a good season, and I, I think fans should appreciate what he did. Yeah, no doubt. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you know, we've been critical of him. We were critical of him signing him up for two years. Um, but, you know, 
he he you know he's delivered i mean there's no there's no way around it um you know there were some cold stretches in there but you know i can think of four or five t- times that he came up big either in the ninth inning with a, a tying hit or a go ahead you know a go ahead hit and a lot of times those were homers um you know so and he played good solid defense i mean that was the one thing we, we you know we didn't question we knew you could probably put him in at shortstop or, or second base and he was going to play quality defense on the infield and um you know, that can't be overlooked because they've been without Ozzy for a long time now. And, um, you know, RCO was able to keep it, keep the ship together. You know, last thing on Grissom, you know, you're right. And, uh, you know, they ter- currently have three. The roster will be interesting to see how they, uh, how it makes falls out in September. There's still a lot of things can happen between now and then. I'm not expecting Ozzy before the rosters expand. Um, I may be surprised with that, but you know, since there's been no news, you know, I just don't feel like he'll he'll have enough time to be back before September. But you know, they're already carrying three catchers because Travis Darno's uh, banged up a little bit. Guillermo Aradia is uh, on the taxi squad currently, not on the active roster. So there's a lot of movement parts there. But I definitely I agree with you 100. percent I mean, I think there's I think there's room for Grissom uh, from now to the end of the season. They'll want Ozzy to get a ton of at bats if he's healthy, uh, but also you know. You can keep him off his feet with the DH uh, option there, and uh, let let Grissom play some of the uh, at second if uh, if it works out. So a lot of options there. It's exciting. Um, you know, it's 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 funny that it seems like they've adopted a more uh, a slower approach with their pitchers, uh, but they've been really aggressive moving the position players. Um, you know, I mean, I came into this season thinking that Michael Harris probably wasn't going to have a shot at, to be in center field until next spring training. Um, you know, and they. They uh they not only they called him up by the end of May and then you know here's Grissom probably would have been even longer a uh, bigger long shot I mean I watched him in Rome a month or so ago so you know to see him in the major leagues now man that's exciting uh you know it just it just adds another spark to the team. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Shifting gears a little bit, um, you know, w- there was one uh, move. I, I don't think I'll call it surprising, but it's one you and I have talked about. But uh, the Braves option, Ian Anderson, um, after his start against the Mets. You and I have talked about Ian uh, a couple of times, I think, in the last two shows. Uh, we talked about at the time that we didn't think demoting him was a good idea just because of uh, they would be replacing him with some of the guys in, uh, at AAA. Um, but they when they acquired Jake Odorizzi, you know, that changed the calculus of that a little bit. Um, Ian had a good start and then it was handed an eight run lead against the Mets and couldn't make it out of the fifth inning. Uh, you know, the writing was on the wall, although it didn't 
it didn't come immediately. And I think the situation around that was fairly um, peculiar, uh, the timing of it. Um, they optioned him, uh, said that for the need of a fresh arm. But the the thing that caught my eye was, you know, they only used five pitchers in that doubleheader Saturday, and one of those that was two of the two of the five were starters, and the other one was Bryce Elder, who was the twenty seventh man. I think Tyler Matzik and Jackson Stevens were the only other guys that pitched in that doubleheader. Then they sent uh, they sent Anderson down, uh, although they kept him on the taxi squad and announced that he would be the twenty seventh man in Miami. Um, called up Oscar Inoa. Of course, Spencer Strider didn't make it out of the third inning. We still didn't see Yanoa. So I don't know. I don't know what the rush was to to send Anderson, um, get Anderson off the active roster. If they weren't going to send him to Gwinnett and you know, have him make a start there before, you know, thinking about bringing him back up. You know, it was just a weird situation uh, all the way around. You know, it was on the roster. Uh, I think until Wednesday and then was uh, optioned back to Gwinnett to make room for Kirby Yates. Um, but what did you make of the situation? Uh, you know, I'm, I can't argue with them being demoted. I just kind of thought it was, it was kind of strange how they went around it saying they needed a, a fresh arm when, you know, they had an off day Monday and really got through Saturday without using anybody that was key. Yeah, it was very, that was very strange because they did, like you said, they didn't option like he, Ian, pitched on Friday night. He was the Friday night game. Ironically, the only game the Braves won, not because of Ian, because they scored nine runs in the game, but he pitched on Friday, and I don't think they actually optioned him until Sunday, or maybe late Saturday night. But like you said, they they the reason that it, that was at least reported was because they, they wanted a fresh arm for the game, and then Spencer Strider goes and and you know struggles and, and gets knocked out, and you know you would think this is kind of the time where they use that fresh arm, and then you know, you know, it doesn't even pitch. So it was very weird. I'm not sure I've ever seen a team option a guy and then immediately announce him as the starter for another game a week, you know, down the road like that. That's I mean, obviously, with a doubleheader, it's a 27th man, which is the only reason they can do that by rule. But still, it's very weird to option a guy and then say, but he's the you know, basically, they said he's the best guy we have available to pitch next week in the majors. But He's not good enough to be in the majors. It was, it was very strange. It was weird, and I don't. I like you said. I don't disagree with the the move of of optioning him. You know, once they once they traded for Odorizzi and and you know essentially had five starters without Ian. You know, he was he was on borrowed time unless he really turned it around. And you know, he just struggled so much in that Mets game with an eight run lead and almost gave it all back had to be pulled before the fifth inning was over and yeah that part's not surprising the circumstances around it are have, were very weird stuff i've never seen before and and part of it's because the Braves had double headers on back to back weekends which also doesn't happen a lot you know this is i'm pretty sure these games are the i'm pretty sure these games are the makeups for the fact that the first two series of the season, season got canceled because of um the the lockout but that's correct. And that, you know, so that's that's a unique situation in, in itself, having back to back weekends with double headers on Saturday. But still very strange having optioning a guy and then telling him he's starting in the majors a week later. But, you know, it's like we said, it's it's probably not the wrong call. That, that's kind of the funny thing is not not only an optioning him, but he probably is the best option to pitch in the double header on Saturday against Miami. I mean, that's kind of the funny thing. So, you know, it's it was weird with stuff we've never really seen before, but the situation probably dictated it. And I don't think I actually disagree with it 
you know, uh, there's probably little things that I would maybe have done different, but I, overall, I, I don't think they were wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. And I mean, it's the, you know, it was just the absurdity of it. I, I joked uh, afterwards, I said, you know, he's no longer part of the active roster, but he's still in the rotation, which was just, it was just kind of strange, right. you know, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, but, but I mean, I kind of get it. I, I see, you know, how those games went. Maybe you thought you needed that extra arm and, and that roster spot eventually did go to Kirby Yates, um, right. who was, who was called up and, uh, and made his debut with the team Wednesday night. Um, so, you know, I mean, it, it's probably nitpicking. Um, I just thought, man, it's just, it's just wild, you know, and then like I said, Strider doesn't make it out of the third inning the next day, but you end up going through, the, you had enough bullpen guys to prevent from, uh, you know, using uh, uh, Yanoa in that situation. So it was interesting. Um, there's another layer to this a little bit now. We uh, It was announced. We're recording this on Thursday during the off day. But the Braves placed Max Freed on the seven-day concussion aisle. Um, if you remember in, in that uh, game two of the doubleheader Saturday, uh, the Mets scored three runs in the third inning. One was a crazy play where uh, Matt Olson fielded it, tried to turn the double play. Freed tried to um, uh, cover the bag at first. The ball got away. He tried to pick the ball up and and kind of throw it home in the in one in the same motion and ended up banging his head off of uh, the turf. It was shaken up for a little bit, and but he stayed in the game and uh, went six innings actually. And um, you know I think he gave up four runs, but only two of them were earned. Uh, but then we get uh, news today that he's been placed on the concussion aisle. Uh, so he's he's down at, at least through this Miami series. Um, they've got the guys to cover the series, and then hopefully, you know, he'll be able to come back when they they come back home against New York. But uh, you know, my question was is they when they announced Ian Anderson as the twenty seventh man Saturday, the expectation was he's going to Gwinnett. He's going to report to Gwinnett after that start. And then uh, make a, at least a couple of turns through the rotation there. How long do you think uh, Ian will stay down? Do you think it depends on how he pitches? Obviously, some you know if if Freed's not um, able to make his start, I think it could be uh, like he may not even go down. You know, I think they may not be able to do that. They may need him. So you know, it's a, it's a fluid situation. But um, I you know I wonder if he stays spends the rest of the month down if if it's an ideal situation and Freed's back maybe Anderson spends the rest of August there and then he might be the guy that comes back up when rosters expand but how do you see that situation playing out you know the first layer is by rule once you option a guy at least a pitcher he has to stay down for 15 days unless there's an injury right so right. you can call a guy back up who's just been optioned to replace somebody who's been injured but unless he's replacing an injured player, he has to stay down for 15 days. So, you know, just on the surface, you would think Ian's going to stay down for a couple of weeks after he goes down once the Miami series is over. But then we found out today that obviously Max Fried is on the IL with, you know, in, in the concussion protocol. And that can be a couple of different things. You know, they could have just, you know, they could think Max was really fine, but saw an opportunity to give him an extra day's rest or extra couple of days rest get a fresh arm for the bullpen for the Miami series. You know, they backdated the the IL stint to August 8th. So he's actually eligible to come off the start on Monday, the start of the Mets series. So if they bring him back for the Mets series, then we know it was probably just a precautionary thing where they they, they saw an opportunity to to add a, another arm for the Miami series. And, and because they already had four starting pitchers, they didn't really need Max in that Miami series. But if we get to the Mets series and he's still not back, then we know 
it's something more serious. And if that's the case, then I don't think Ian's going down at all. I mean, they'll use the the rule that allows you to bring back an option guy, you know, for Max because Max is on the IL, and they might even transfer Max to the the 15 day IL. You know, I don't know exactly how the concussion protocol works. I don't know how long you're allowed to stay on that. I think you can stay on it a long time, but yeah, I, don't I think you know. I think you can stay until you uh, you pass the tests. Uh, yeah. So you know so, they wouldn't have wouldn't have to do that necessarily. I hadn't really done the math for the for the uh, uh, the Met series. If Free can't make that um, start, then obviously they'll they will have to call somebody up because Jake Odorizzi will be pitching. Uh, well, no, Kyle Wright can make that start. So yeah, you know. Kyle Kyle can pitch Monday. And yeah. then I think I think it's Tuesday that they have to figure something right. out because two guys are going to pitch on Saturday, and that means nobody would be be available. So I think, and I know I, by the math they they backdated it to August eighth. So I know he can come off the concussion IL in time to pitch that Tuesday game. But if he doesn't, then we know it's a little more serious. And I think Ian Anderson probably stays around a little bit longer but even even then i don't think ian would be able to pitch that game so they would still have to figure something out so we'll 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 basically know monday how serious this is yeah that's a that's a good uh a good summation i i wonder i mean i mean we've we've talked about anderson a bunch um you know in his struggles you know i maybe he goes down he works on that curveball a little bit more uh but you know so much of it for me is just he's is throwing strikes i mean that's what killed him against the mets i mean it was just all the walks and then you know they're just sitting on they're just sitting on the fastball um so you know i i don't really know what he goes down and re- and works on i'm not a um, I'm not that detailed into into pitch mechanics and such, but um, obviously he needs a reset. And uh, you know, if they can get him a starter to maybe maybe even three, you know, maybe that'll benefit him uh, down the stretch. But I do feel like they're going to need Ian Anderson, especially if this race tightens up. You know, if it, if they just settle into the wild card, and um, you know, looks like the Mets run away for the division, then maybe he can stay down as uh, longer. But I, you know, down the stretch, I'm afraid they're going to need him at some point. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. I think our last topic tonight, I think, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about Marcelo Zuna since we started this podcast, but, you know, I think it's worth readdressing. Um, starting to see it. Uh, Corey wrote a great column today, um, talking about his struggles and, and the situation. I know he homered last night, but he's two for 28 over his last seven games. Since signing that extension with the Braves, he's played 152 games. Put up six hundred over six hundred forty plate appearances, and he's hitting two thirteen, two seventy two, three eighty two with a seventy seven weighted runs created plus. You know, I I think, I mean, you know, we've been through this, but I mean, at what point uh, does he have to start losing at bats? I mean, you know, I don't know how long, how often you can keep running him out there. You know, maybe, you know, I don't know if it's a if it's a, against the left hander or specific matchups, uh, but. You know, I have to question now whether they can just keep penciling him in um, every single night. Yeah, I'm so done with this with this situation. 
and not, it's not even directly – it is tied to Marcel, but it's also tied to the fact that the Braves, especially when Travis Darno comes back, the Braves have on their bench when Travis Darno is catching a player in William Contreras who is crushing the ball. And, you know, you just went through the numbers with Ozuna. It's been – essentially a full season of games since he signed his contract extension. And he has been since that day, the worst player in baseball. It's not even like hyperbole. Like he's been worth negative 1.3 war since signing that contract. And he had, he, he hasn't hit. He's got a 77 WRC plus since signing that contract, which is just awful. Even if you're a good defensive player and a good base runner, you know, and you bring value in other areas, a 77 WRC plus is awful. If you're a DH and you don't provide any defensive value, you provide zero base running value, a 77 WRC plus should be, that should be the end. Like you should just be done. And that's, I don't care the fact that he hits a home run every, you know, every seven or eight days. Like I know some people, well, he's got 20 home runs. I mean, it doesn't, you cannot measure a season by, the fact that a guy has 20 home runs. I mean, he's got, he's got, I don't even know. He's got almost 450 plate appearances this year. The fact that 20 of them have ended in a home run doesn't tell you what kind of year he's had. I mean, we have to look at the other 400 and, you know, 20 plate appearances to really understand how good he's been or how bad he's been. And like you said, he's hitting 213 with a 264 on base percentage and a 395 slugging. And that's the thing about the home runs is he it's not even equaling a substantial amount of power because he doesn't do anything other. He doesn't hit doubles. You know, he's weirdly stopped hitting doubles. So even with 20 home runs, he's got a sub 400 slugging percentage, which is not good, obviously. So if he if he's not hitting and he's not and he has it for a long time and he can't do anything else on the field, which he can't because we know he can't. Then what are we doing? What what are we doing? Why is he still? in the lineup every day. I don't understand. And I know that the lineup is stinkers, right? Alex Anthopoulos does not make the lineup, and they have made that abundantly clear year after year after year. Alex makes the roster moves. Snit makes the lineup. And it might get to a point where Alex has to cut him, has to release him to stop Snit from playing him. But when you have William Contreras on the team and Travis Darno on the team, and I understand Travis is hurt right now, but when Travis gets back, there is not a single game that should be played that does not have William Contreras in the lineup. If Travis is catching, then Contreras has to be DH. And if Contreras is catching, then hell, put Robbie Grossman at DH. I don't know. Put Eddie Rosario. Put Travis Darno at DH. I don't care. Just we have got to stop relying on the one home run a week that Marcelo Zuna hits. Yeah, it's a big home run he hit yesterday, but that's, that's literally it. That's all you get for like 10 games. And then you have to wait another 10 games for the next one. And because it's a home run, people are like, oh, well, you see, that's how good he is. Like, come on. Like, we are well – this is not 1998 anymore. We do not measure players by how many home runs and RBIs they hit. And by the way, Marcelo Zuna, for all those home runs, has 56 RBIs this season. He's batting fifth and one of the best lineups in baseball and has 56 RBIs this for the season. Like, I'm not a big RBI guy, but, like, even the home runs have been pretty empty. I mean, a lot of the times it's an 8-1 to one game. He hits a solo home run in the eighth inning, and people, you know, they're like, oh, well, look at that. He's, he is good. He's not good. He is not good, and we got to stop pretending that he's good. And Alex Antopoulos knows he's not good. The only reason Alex hasn't cut him yet is because they owe him a lot of money, and 
you know, that's just the reality of baseball. When a guy gets a lot of money, he gets a lot of rope. You know, you don't just cut those guys. But we are now over a full season of games into this contract. And it has gotten worse. And he has literally been the worst player in baseball. And I am just done. I am so done waiting for, you know, the other shooter drop. If, if Snit won't stop playing him, then Alex has got to cut him. It's got to be one of the two. And I don't think either is going to happen, unfortunately. I, I don't think Alex is going to cut him until the offseason. And I don't think Snit's going to stop playing him because, like you said, he hit a home run, you know, and that's good for another probably 10 games you know, until he hits his next home run. So that's my little rant. But, I, you know, with William Contreras on the team, there should never be a game where William Contreras is not getting four plate appearances. It should never happen. And if that means that Ozuna gets less at-bats, fantastic, even better. But we have got to stop. You know, in July, in the month of July, William Contreras got 50 at-bats for the month. Did you know that? 50 at-bats for one of the best hitters on the team. And, and Marcelo Zuna got like 100. And no planet should Marcelo Zuna be getting twice as many plate appearances in a month than William Contreras. This can't, this cannot happen, especially in this playoff race where every win matters. The Mets are really, really good. The Braves need every single win. They need every single player contributing. And Marcelo Zuna has contributed absolutely nothing but a weekly home run for a long time now. And it's time to pull the plug. Before we even go any further, I'm going to point out because somebody's going to yell at us. Um, you know, he's again underperforming his metrics. If you look at his baseball savant page, you're going to see a lot of red. I don't really, I mean, he fails the eyeball test now. Yeah, and obviously, I'll say, you know, I'm not a big fan of the eyeball test, but still, at this point, you know, they can't continue to wait forever on him uh, to turn around. You know, I mean, uh, I don't care what his metrics are. Um, you know, I don't care how how much he's underperforming them. And it's just like you said. You know, you can live with a a, a two oh three, a two uh, two ten, two twenty batting average if the slugging percentage is up there and you're getting on base uh, at times. You're walking. I mean, the walks have dried up. But like you said, I mean, he's hitting a home run. Uh, he's got twenty of those. But you know he's not driving the baseball into the gaps like we what like what we saw in 2020. And and the fact was, you know, that was obviously a 60 game sample. He was as hot as he's probably ever been in his career for those 60 games. And the Braves needed him. And you know he he nearly won the triple triple crown. Um, but you know if that had been a 162 game season, as hot as he was, regression was coming. I mean, there's there I, there's no doubt in my mind. I don't think he could have he could have sustained that over a, another hundred games. Um, but I agree with you. I, I am I am a little you know William Contreras. I think Contreras should get the majority of the bats. Obviously, I do wonder if you can um, if you can if you if he could catch and then be in the lineup every single day as the DH when he wasn't catching. I think that's a little bit of a grind. But as you mentioned, I think Robbie Grossman's looked pretty good. And he's hit the ball hard from the left-hand side as well in a few opportunities. Uh, Eddie Rosario starting to come out. But, I mean, it was eye-opening the other night when, um, you know, Eddie's, Eddie Rosario is still sitting here with a, a sub-200 batting average. Uh, he's hit the ball better uh, late. Um, but still, you know, it's been a it's been a pretty lost season for him. And Boston clearly pitched around him the other night to get to Ozuna. Now, granted, Ozuna, Ozuna hit the ball hard Wednesday uh, a couple of times. He made them pay for it. But they had no intention of pitching to Eddie Rosario the other night with Ozuna behind him. 
And, um, you know, I just think that's, that's pretty eye opening for a guy that you signed to be your, basically be your cleanup bat. Because at the time they signed him, you know, Austin Riley was coming off a down season. And the only thing that really saved them was Riley's emergence. Um, you know, if you remember, they, they had, they, filling that big bat, uh, to put behind Freddie Freeman was the top priority for what, two, two straight off seasons. They signed Josh Donaldson. He did it well. Donaldson left. They signed Ozuna. He did it well for a season. Then he signed that contract extension, and it's been a disaster. The only reason it worked out was because I, uh, Austin Riley became that guy. Um, so, you know, I'm with you. I, I don't know where I don't know where this goes. Um, I do think it's interesting. Uh, you know, you was talking about Snit. One reason the guys love Snit so much is he's got their back. Um, you know, he will he he will support those guys, and and he should. You know, that's his job. Um, but, you know, he kind of made the statement with Ian Anderson. As long as he was on the roster, you know, he was going to keep him in the rotation. And I wonder how much of that um, same situation applies to Ozuna here. You know, so you, I think it's a good point you make. You know, Alex may have to, at some point, they're going to have to address this. Because, I mean, I know people bagged on the Will Smith um, uh, contract. And uh, and honestly, you know, and I agree, uh, they were able to get something out, uh, productive out of that. But to me, this is the worst contract signing they've had, um, you know, in in Alex Anthopoulos' uh, tenure. I don't think it's a black eye because he's done so many good things, uh, but this is one that just clearly hasn't worked out. And I just want to counter one thing we keep hearing about, you know, he's underperforming his metrics, he's underperforming his metrics, and he is. Yeah, he absolutely is underperforming his metrics. Like he's got a, you know, He's got a 286 OBA this year, and his expected OBA is 333, right? So that's like a 50-point difference between what he's doing and what he is expected to be doing. But my counter to that would be he has done that basically every year of his career, right? This was the big thing in St. Louis. They could not figure out why he was hitting the ball so hard but not getting any production. It happened in Miami as well. Like he was, His profile looks great, but for some reason it does not turn into production. And, you know, I, I do believe in these expected numbers. I do believe in, in general, looking at a guy's process versus results. And eventually the process will win out. But if a guy is shown over and over and over again that he's going to underperform these metrics, at some point you have to start believing in what he's done versus what he's expected to do. Because, you know, these expected metrics aren't, you know, they're not perfect. They have blind spots and they evolve and they improve every year. And, you know, there could be parts of Ozuna's profile that are just a blind spot for these numbers. And they expect better numbers than you're actually going to get. And they're, you know, the Braves are never going to get 2020 again. That season, I mean, Ozuna had like a 400 batting average of ball in play for that 60 game stretch, right? That's, you're never going to get that over us, over 162 games. And Ozuna was walking like 15% of the time season he's I mean he's never come close to approaching that number in any other season of his career it was literally I mean 2020 was just a perfect stars for Ozuna where everything fell into place for 60 games and it was just you know he just he was perfect in that season but when you take that season out the rest of his career looks very similar it looks like a lot of hard hit balls but not a lot of production at some point you know, the waiting on him to match his expected numbers with his actual numbers, you've got to let some other team do that. And and hopefully, you know, I keep hoping that those expected numbers might be the, the secret sauce to getting him out of town. Some team will take a bet 
on his expected numbers and hope that they can unlock the secret that is getting Marcelo Zuna's production to match his, you know, savant profile. But the Braves are trying to win a World Series, and you cannot have the worst hitter in your lineup be your DH. I mean, that's where the Braves are. And the Braves have two 21-year-olds in their lineup. The Braves have two college-age kids in their lineup. And the worst hitter on the team is the 30-year-old DH. I mean, that's where we are. You know, it's one thing when you're winning the division and everybody in your division sucks and you're just kind of coasting to the the next division title. But that's not the case this year. The Braves are in a dogfight. The Mets are really, really good. Every win matters. Every at-bat matters. Every run matters. And if they have any hope of winning this division, they have to get production out of all nine spots. And you cannot have your DH be the worst hitter in your lineup. That's just – it can't happen. And that's where the Braves have been for a long time now. Like I said, I don't know what I don't know what the long term answer is there. You know, I don't know if they will cut bait with him if they'll try to trade him. Um, you know what that'll look like. But I know for this season, just like you said, they're trying to their their goals to get to the postseason and have a successful postseason. And I just don't think you can keep running him out there. I think he's got to start losing plate appearances. You know, and and like you said, it's not like they don't have an option. You know, it's not like we're going to have to see Adrianza um, or 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 Chadwick Trump DH, and you got William Contreras there who's put up huge numbers all year. And if that doesn't work out, you can go with Eddie Rosario and play. Robbie Grossman in the outfield. So, you know, like I said, we've been over this before, but I mean, it feels like it feels dire now at this point. Just, you know, they've dropped him in the order, but you're not, you know, you're just not seeing it. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know that you, you put him on the bench and you throw away the key, but you can't keep running him out there day in, day out. Um, you know, no matter the matchup, I think they've got to, he's got to start losing plate appearances soon. So let me, uh, let me, uh, let me ask you a question. So you, always right. me, you always ask me. You always ask me. Let me ask you a question. If the playoffs started today or tomorrow, let's say the playoffs started tomorrow, and he just hit a home run, so I guess that would probably change <laughs> that. But let's just say that he hadn't hit that home run last night, and he still was in this funk. Is he on the playoff roster? Because Alex, because Snit, Snit doesn't make the playoff roster. Alex makes the playoff roster. Does it, do you think Alex puts him on the playoff roster if the playoffs started right now? That's a great question. And I mean, and again, you know, just to go back to what we started this uh, started this thing with, if Vaughn Grissom um, is playing well, uh, is hitting the ball, I don't think you can carry him. I mean, I, it maybe even if Vaughn Grissom's not, you know, I mean, you've got other options. No, nah, I mean, I, I agree. I don't think if I was making it out, he wouldn't be on there uh, tomorrow. You know, I just the way he's played, I've got to see some sign of life, you know, if he wants to, if he's going to be a spot of that. And I mean, it's not unprecedented. I mean, we've seen them, we've seen them leave guys off the playoff roster that, um, you know, I think was surprising at the time. So, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And I mean, that's a great point, but that's how far he's fallen. You know, I mean, he was the, if you remember right, it was the, you know, he was the key signing of that uh, 2020 offseason. You know, the fans were up in arms when it didn't look like the Braves were going to sign him. That just shows you, you know, I mean, it doesn't always, it doesn't always work out, you know, but this is, this is just a disaster signing. Uh, I didn't like I didn't like how the length of that contract to begin with. I didn't have a problem bringing him back. I didn't think he'd be this bad, but man, you know, it's just, it's just not working. And at some point they're going to have to move on. To answer my own question. I, if the playoffs started tomorrow, I do not think Alex would put him on the roster. I don't, I think they would go with Grossman and Grissom or, you know, I don't pick a, pick a triple a player. I, I don't know, but I don't. I don't think they would put him on the playoff route. Now he's still got you know seven weeks to change Alex's mind. If he gets hot, you know, it, 
if he gets hot for these next seven weeks, then you can he can tell all of us to shut up. But, you know, with this long extended stretch over a year's worth of plate appearances as just being terrible, no. If, if I'm Alex Adopolis, if the playoffs started tomorrow, Marcelo Zuna is not on the roster. Yeah, last last thing on this because it made me, uh, you know, I've I've you know the DH and the and National League, it's it's a uh, it's a new concept for us, uh, but I think the game's changing, and I personally, I'd like to see the Braves go away from acquiring that guy that's just a DH uh, down the road. Obviously, this will be post Ozuna, you know, at what point, whatever point he comes off the roster because he's going to be the DH as long as he's here or when he's in the lineup. But you know, I'd like to see him sign a guy that can play a position and then you know use that dh spot as a, as a means to get the guys off their feet get them but keep them in the lineup you know i don't care yeah. whether it's four outfielders or if it's another infielder you know and that's one thing that you know during the Braves run right here you know i mean we've seen their position players especially on the infield just play every single day you know you're seeing it now with Dan's being Matt Olson um you know Riley's out there a lot um, you know, I just think they could take a better ad- advantage of the DH, uh, and you don't have to get, acquire a guy and say, "Oh, well, he's going to DH for us for you know 155 games and and 600 plate appearances." I think you could you could be served served that better by you know acquiring a guy that's you know you can you can play him play him in another spot, but you know you can get Acuna off his feet or you can get Michael Harris or or somebody you know off their feet and you don't have to run them out there every single day. Um, you know, is that, I mean, that to me, that's the new, the newer approach to it. You know, you've seen the Tampa Bays and, and some of these other teams doing it now. I think the, the guys like Nelson Cruz and, and the Marcelo Zunas, I think those are going to fade out of, out of the game uh, soon enough. I agree with that. I think that's fair. I think if you gave Alex Anthopoulos some truth serum and force him to answer honestly, he would tell you one thing he regrets about this roster is how locked it is in terms of positional versatility, right? There's really not a ton of positional versatility on this roster. Guys kind of have to play where they play because they really don't have any other options, right? There's, there's too many DH types on the roster. There's too many poor uh, de- defensive players on the roster. You know, there's not a lot of, you know, I always think of the Dodgers, the the Rays, you know, these teams that have a bunch of interchangeable parts that can kind of move all over the diamond and, and you know, a manager can use that to, to give certain guys days off, kind of what you were just talking about. And, you know, the Bra- this Braves team does not have that. that. That is not a luxury this team has. They are very locked in to everybody playing this specific position every single game. You know, that's just how it was built. And I think I think if you asked Alex and got an honest answer, he would tell you he he wishes he could go back. And like you said, I mean, everybody wanted Ozuna to be signed after that 2020 season. Everybody. People were up in arms. You, If you remember, it was like February. It was really oh, late. Yeah, it was late. It was really late into the offseason. The Braves did not have somebody to hit behind Freddie Freeman. Austin Riley had still not taken any sort of step forward. And so the Braves desperately needed a a right-handed power hitter to hit behind Freddie Freeman and so at the time it made all the sense in the world I don't really blame Alex for that I don't I didn't love the length either but you know when you're signing free agent contract oftentimes it's one more year that is the difference between getting the deal done and not and so he he did the deal and you know the, no one could have seen this sort of fall off from Ozuna but 
I guarantee you the Alex's vision for this team in the future is much more versatility in its players that guys who can be interchanged a little bit more guys who can play multiple positions and not just play them, but play them well, where you're not having to worry about, you know, losing a game because your defense is terrible because you got two or three guys out there that shouldn't be out there to begin with. And that is, you know, as they get out of this Ozuna contract and move forward, I think that's something you'll see more is I agree with you. I think they will try to get into being more like the Rays or the the Dodgers and their positional versatility and interchangeable parts and then use the DH as a way to, to give guys a rest. Well, I, I think that's uh I think that's about it. Um, you know, we got a big series coming up this weekend, another huge one in Atlanta next week. I'm sure we'll have plenty more to talk about. Uh do you have any final thoughts you wanna or we cover everything? No, yeah, just a big Big, big series in Miami this week or this weekend. Braves really need to take three of four, I think, at the minimum. I, I think a split would be kind of a – not kind of. It would be a disappointment, especially because the Braves are – they're missing uh, Alcantara. Uh, Sandy pitched on Wednesday. And so the Braves play four games against Miami, and they don't face, you know, the Cy Young – the probable Cy Young winner. So – they really need to take advantage of that and win at least three or four games this series. That's I think that's crucial if the Braves have any hope of winning this division. And listen, winning the division is very, very unlikely at this point. We need to say that out loud. You know, if you look at all the the odds makers and fan graphs and, and 538 and all these sites, the Braves have less than a 10% chance of winning the division at this point because, you know, a seven-game lead in August is a – massive massive hurdle to clear and i think on fangrass the braves actually have a better chance of winning the world series than they do winning the division which is hysterical but that's probably true i mean that's kind of where we are if the braves want any chance to win the division they have to beat teams like miami and they have to beat them soundly three of four is the bare minimum they can do and they really need to sweep these guys as bad as they've been playing so Big, big series coming up this weekend, and then obviously we've got the, the Mets series at the beginning of next week. So a lot of, lot of interesting stuff coming up with, you know, the playoff races. We're kind of coming down to the wire. Yeah, uh, I think that's it for us. Um, you know, obviously uh, keep checking out batterypower.com. We'll have plenty of stuff uh, for the through the weekend and then the big Met series next week. Subscribe to Podcast Network. Give us a rating and a review if you could. Uh, we'd appreciate that. Uh, if you got any feedback for us, you know, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, it's Chris with a K underscore Willis or, or B at Stephen at B Outliers. I think that's it, man. We'll see you guys next week.